Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You don't always have to like him. But you have to respect him. The Roy Green Show continues. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Sunday edition of The Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So, uh, just looking at some numbers here. We're trying to get our guest on the phone, so let's keep trying to get Mario um, to come on with us. The Vice President of um, Insights West Canada. They did a poll of uh, Canadians' attitudes toward the United States and attitudes toward Donald Trump. And... Two in five Canadians, I remember last weekend we spoke with the organizer of GrabYourWallet.org, that campaign that is trying to persuade Americans not to buy any products or not to engage any services that have the name Trump attached to them. And, well, it was almost unanimous after I spoke with the organizer of GrabYourWallet.org that you, as Canadians, calling the program had absolutely no intention of following any such initiative. Well, the Insights West um, polling of Canadians found that 45% say they're very likely or somewhat likely to boycott a hotel, restaurant, or store located in Trump-branded property, including almost two-thirds of uh, British Columbians and two in five Canadians are likely to boycott a store that sells Trump brand products, while about a third would cancel a trip to the United States because of Donald Trump's presidency. Mario Canseco is the vice president of Insights West. He joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Mario, thank you for the time, and uh, the times, they are a-changing. Oh, they are, Roy. It's great to be here chatting with you. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked. Yeah, it's been a while. And what's interesting for us is, you know, there's a lot of dissatisfaction on some fronts uh, with the Trump uh, victory. I think we're starting to see that. Um, especially here in British Columbia, where I live, uh, where we have some discussions related to what can happen with certain decisions that he's making. There's no denying also that there's people who really like him, uh, that they don't seem to be a majority of uh, Canadians, but there are pockets of support for Trump, particularly in Ontario, in Alberta, and among uh, federal conservative voters. So it's not a situation where Canada is going 95 against 5 when it comes to Trump. You found, though, that Canadians are seriously following what's going on in the United States as far as politics and social activity is concerned, with 83% of Canadians following American political news very closely. How much of a change is that, if it is, over what you might have seen, say, two years ago? It is extraordinarily high. You know, when I started asking Canadians about U.S. politics uh, back in 2007, uh, it was an interesting moment because we were heading into an election in the United States where neither of the candidates uh, had been 
either president or vice a, a president. So you, you had a situation that was going to be fairly competitive. We were talking a lot about Hillary Clinton. And when we asked Canadians where they were following the news related to the, to the U.S. closely, it was something like 30 percent. And now we're at a stage, uh, especially after the last election, where many Canadians are following U.S. politics more closely than ever before, and even at a higher level that, that, that they're following domestic politics. So if there's one thing to be said about Donald Trump and the victory that he had, is that uh, at least it's made Canadians pay a uh, you know, closer view on, on what is happening in the United States, certainly more than they did 10 or 15 years ago. So just a few years ago, it was 30 percent. And today it's 83. Yes. Uh, and I think it's also something has to be said about the way Canadian networks are dealing with the United States. I don't remember a lot of coverage related to the elections of 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012. You have roughly the third or fourth story of the night when it came to the Canadian newscast was U.S.-based. And we went through a situation where the top story was usually the U.S., unless something really drastic happened here in Canada. So the news also plays a role in this when they choose to open their newscast with Trump, even though he is not uh, a Canadian politician. So, Mario, I'll ask you for a little bit of speculation here, based on your experience. Given these numbers and the extraordinary leap in numbers of Canadians who are paying attention to what happens in the United States in politics, from 30 to 83 percent, with 73 percent of Canadians discussing American politics with family, friends, and co-workers, while only 67 percent um, discuss Canadian varieties of the same, how much of an impact is this inevitably going to have on what Canadians will expect from our politicians. Is that is that going to happen? The fact that there's so much talk about all the changes that have taken place in the United States among Canadians, that eventually some of it is going to drift over and turn into demands by Canadian voters of our politicians. I think it's definitely something that will happen. Um, we're starting to see it now. Uh, it's been a an interesting race from the Conservative Party. I think the main difficulty that we have at this stage is the, the fact that we have 14 candidates. So we haven't really narrowed it down to five or six, and it's made a little bit, made it a little bit difficult for the average Canadian to, to see what is going on in this race. Uh, but I think ultimately, one of the reasons why uh, Canadians really like Donald Trump, uh, those who do, is the notion of you know switching things, of doing something that is completely different on. on ending politics as usual, if you will. And, you know, there's always been that sentiment. I think it was present in the early stages of the Reform Party here in Western Canada in the 1990s. And there might be a rebirth of that, depending on who the Conservatives choose as their next leader, because you see that it's a formula that is effective. Um, We see the situation in France right now. Uh, We saw what happened with Brexit. You know, there are moments in which you can establish that emotional connection with the electorate in a way that enables you to be the victor. Yeah, and uh, there was no shortage of people listening to this program who predicted the Brexit victory, also predicted the uh, the Conservatives would win the 2015 British election, which they did. And then we came to a consensus that uh, by by July, I think, of last uh, last year, that Donald Trump was going to win the U.S. presidency. At least I came to that <laughs> conclusion, and, you know, I don't I mean, I was right, but it was it was the people who were calling me every 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 time we went on the air, and were pushing the Donald Trump, uh, not agenda, but they just liked mm-hmm. the fact that he was different. The message was different, the messenger was different, and the timing was correct for that. 
Um, now people are talking about which conservative leader has what it takes to defeat Justin Trudeau. So I, I find that Canadians are very focused on 2019. Now, the Liberals supporters want to see a conservative who can't beat Justin Trudeau, and the conservative supporters are saying, well, Kevin O'Leary, you know, Kelly Leach, uh, what combination of people? And it, There's just a growing interest, I think. Well, and it's, it's definitely something that is uh, happening because of the way politics has been changing. Um, it's made our jobs uh, particularly difficult as electoral forecasters. Uh, there was a situation where you wouldn't have a lot of changes in the voting intention of Canadians in the final weeks of a campaign. Right. And our experience uh, since I came to Mises West has been great. We've done 22 elections correctly, but the only way to get to that sense uh, of what the electorate is going to do is to do it on the final day. Um, that's how we realized that Justin Trudeau was going to do very well here in D.C. That's when we saw Donald Trump climbing in the national popular vote, but not necessarily uh, getting to a level where he was going to get more votes, and he didn't. But you know, it certainly served as a that's a wake-up call as far as, you know, you, you can't go from 44% to 46% that quickly unless there's something brewing which would give you electoral votes. And what happened in the U.S. and with Brexit is ultimately the emotional connection. We are becoming more voters uh, who are looking at things on an emotional level than just looking at the specific policies. And, and I think populism. that's one of the secrets for the Donald Trump victory. It's the populism. It's, Absolutely. It's populism. People are tired of being told what to do by people they either don't know or have very little respect for, or people who have lied to them, people who have shown up in an election campaign and said, please elect me to this position and I will provide this and this and this and this. <laughs> and then they get into office and they do none of the above. And over a period of time, that becomes the, the, the rallying cry of you can't trust them, you can't believe them, kick the bums out. And, and I think that's where we are now. I wouldn't be surprised, Mario, if Marine Le Pen wins in France. I wouldn't be surprised at anything that might happen in, 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 in Denmark. I, I wouldn't be surprised at anything that might happen in any election in Germany, anywhere in Europe this year. Would you? No, this is, this is the way in which we are, we are moving now. And it's interesting in the sense that uh, it, it establishes, it, it really forces politicians to do things differently. Uh, I would say that my, my favorite moment of the campaign in the United States happened in the early stages. It was one of those small debates with the Republican candidates, and they were talking about health care. And Marco Rubio starts talking and says, I have a seven-point plan to deal with this, and starts spouting talking points, and people are starting to fall asleep inside the arena, and he's been talking for about five minutes, and he hasn't stopped. And then Donald Trump is next and says, Obamacare is a disaster. That's all he needed to say to get all of those voters on, on, on his side. It wasn't necessarily about policies or plans or specific implementations. It was, this guy is representing the emotion that I feel about this particular project and this particular president, I'm going to vote for him. People got what they wanted from Donald Trump. And you're right, because the other conservative or, or, or GOP candidates during the primaries would get up and they try to do the same old, same old, Jeb Bush particularly. And Donald Trump was exactly, he was the guy who, the maniac that had the, the all the, the, the switch codes and he switched, you know, for the train, and the train had the train going in whatever directions. I meant didn't mean maniac in a nasty way, um, <laughs> right? He's just the guy who was able to send the train where he wanted it to go, not where anybody else wanted it to go, but where he wanted it to go, and it worked. It worked very well, and you know, I think it's also a reminder, uh, especially now that we have discussions about fundraising in politics uh, all over Canada. Um, it's not a question of money. I mean, looking back at the Jeb Bush campaign. 
he spent $35 million in January to try to get elected in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Uh, that's more than a million dollars a day, which is a ton of money when you're talking about two fairly small states in the grand scheme of things. And he ended up losing badly in both states. So it's ultimately about establishing that connection. You don't establish that connection with money or with ads. You establish that connection by talking to people and telling them what they want to hear. And then when you get elected, actually doing what you said you would do or making it uh, obvious that you're trying to do what you said you would do. That uh, Following up with that is critically important for all politicians now. Mario, it's always good talking to you. You're the one pollster who said we have to do things differently after Brexit, the U.K., and the United States. You're the only <laughs> Absolutely. Person, you're the only pollster I've heard say, well, we have to do things differently because in the morning of November the 8th, they were still babbling on about how Hillary Clinton was going to be the president-elect that night. <laughs> you know, it was a fun morning for me because it was one of the best nights of my career. We got 14 predictions correctly, and I kept getting condolence messages, and I kept replying, <laughs> what are you talking about? We had a great night. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Good for you. Thanks, Mario. Thank you, Roy. Mario Canseco, Vice President of Insights West. He's a good guy. 800-263-2428 is my number, always toll-free. 1-800-263-2428 is my number, always toll-free. So we have 83% or 84% of, of uh, Canadians talking to each other about the U.S. presidency. 73% talk about it at home and with family and, uh, and friends. And only 67% are talking about what's going on in this country. So clearly... The President of the United States has created quite a following in Canada. I know that there's some awful heaving going on among my good friends on the left of the spectrum, but it is what it is. 800-263-2428 is the number. 800-263-2428 is the number. And the question is this. Is Donald Trump going to make it? When you hear that, uh, that a significant percentage of, of, uh, of Canadians will not buy anything, that's what uh, they found out at, uh, at the Insights West, that you know, you're not going to, significant numbers, maybe half of you, aren't going to buy anything that has the name Trump on it. Well, that would suggest that he's not going to make it and uh, be successful for four years. My feeling is, that he's going to make it. He will be successful, and he will push through, and the Democrats will create as much helter-skelter fire at Donald Trump as they can possibly muster. And as they continue with it over and over and over, day after day after day, it's going to become less and less effective because people will be tired of it. So Trump's going to be, Trump's going to be fine. He'll run again in 2020, or he will have stepped aside in 2019, and Ivanka Trump will run for the nomination as president of the United States. And if Donald Trump doesn't run in 2020, then his daughter's going to be the next president of the U.S. You heard it here first. We'll come back with your thoughts and your points of view and where you stand right after this.